Hey, I'm Sam Sanders, and I'm guest hosting Today Explained. Seeing a reality star on social media is not that unusual. But a reality star on Instagram calling for her colleagues to unionize? Well... These are the 10 terms that I propose subject to modification. I did not buy the idiot guide to starting a union in 24 hours. That's Bethany Frankel, OG Real Housewife, and now labor agitator. The minimum should be $5,000 per episode. Well, go off, Bethany. Talent should receive a 10% raise each season. Now, to be clear, Bethany is just one star, and that does not make a revolution. But a giant lawsuit calling for major changes to the way reality TV treats its cast and crew members, that could end up forcing some big systemic change. A reality TV reckoning. Support for Jay Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. NBC Universal received a letter. It was from two high-powered Hollywood attorneys with scary reputations. They were talking about a lawsuit, and they were lobbying some pretty gnarly accusations In the letter, they allege that NBC has this pattern of, quote, grotesque and depraved mistreatment of its reality stars. They say, quote, that these individuals have been mentally, physically victimized by NBC and threatened with ruin if they speak out about their mistreatment. That's Claudia Rosenbaum. I cover pop culture for Vulture, uh, New York Magazine. In addition, I'm an attorney. Claudia has been following the twists and turns of this case very closely. And there's more in that letter. They accuse NBC of attempting to manufacture instability by applying cast members on the show with alcohol while also depriving them of food and sleep and denying them mental health services and covering up acts of sexual violence. There are allegations of revenge porn, fraud, false imprisonment. When you see those kind of words in a letter, as an attorney, what do you think happens next? Yeah, they're pretty severe allegations and, you know, they haven't gotten into any specifics and they haven't said what shows they're referencing or what reality stars they're talking about. They've been pretty vague. They're just saying, you know, we're doing an investigation. But these lawyers could be talking about any number of reality stars because NBC Universal makes a lot of reality TV. It owns Bravo. So, you know, they've got the entire Real Housewives empire. How do you know what's good for me? 
That's my opinion! They've also got the below-deck diaspora. I've never heard of any yacht ever having a phone party. Phone parties should probably just stay where they belong. In 1997. They got Project Runway. Make it work. Go, go, go. And like a million other shows. Also, NBC Universal is a parent company of E and Oxygen and Telemundo. And you get it. Lots of networks, lots of shows, lots and lots of reality stars. So far, NBC Universal is not saying much about this, but they have released a bit of a statement. NBC has said that they're committed to maintaining a safe and respectful workplace for their cast and crew on the reality show. They say they've taken appropriate workplace trainings in place and any complaints have been brought to their attention and they've investigated them and, you know, situations have been dealt with and they provided medical and psychological support to cast members if needed. But the thing about reality TV is you can watch it, which means you can see some of this stuff play out, like how an endless stream of alcohol might put cast members in dangerous situations. There was this one recent episode on an episode of Below Deck, Down Under. It's a Bravo show. This scene got a lot of attention. The first thing I thought about when I got out of bed. (laughs) Money and alcohol. So in this episode, a crew member named Margot gets trashed. She's literally passed out in her cabin. Another crew member named Luke walks into her cabin naked, gets in her bed, and producers, they intervene. They kick Luke out of Margot's room and kick him off the whole show. You need to get up, mate. You need to go. You need to get off the boat tonight. Really? Yeah. Like that night, he was asked to leave the boat. And when he came back the next day, he was told that he was fired. You know, they did take swift action. In, in, in that situation when, you know, there was something so wrong happening in front of their eyes, they, you know, took immediate action. So, yeah, the producers stepped in here. But cast members getting wasted is a big part of this show. It's baked in. It's like there's a yacht, there are crew members, there's booze, which means dangerous situations are maybe almost baked into the show. This is the kind of thing these lawyers are talking about. By the way, these lawyers, they're kind of a big deal. Mark Garagos and Brian Friedman. Just so you know a little bit about Mark Garagos, I mean, he's represented Michael Jackson, Winona Ryder, Chris Brown, Usher, and and Friedman has in the past represented Bethany Frankel, um, Diplo, and Chris Harrison when he was fired from The Bachelor, uh, Megyn Kelly when she was taken off her show. So they're both familiar with these type of cases. Now, the backdrop to all of this is that TV networks and streamers like Netflix are having to lean really hard on reality shows right now. Because of the writers and actors' strikes, reality shows are cheap and easy to make and not subject to these strikes. They don't need unionized actors or unionized writers to be made. If it wasn't for reality shows, I don't know what people would be watching. We just had The Bachelorette wrapped up. In a matter of moments, I'm about to be the happiest person. It's just crazy. We've got new episodes of Blow Deck airing. We've got new episodes of Real Housewives of Atlanta. I was shocked, honey. I was in tears almost. And it has a white refrigerator. I was like, oh, oh, not a white refrigerator. Girl, please put your shoes on. Let's go find you a home, honey. Real Housewives of New York, Real Housewives of Orange County. So there's like a constant slate of new reality shows while the other shows have been basically taken off the air. 
So if you want to watch something new, you're turning to them right now. So reality TV is very important right now. Maybe so important that the stars should get paid more? The minimum should be $5,000 per episode. Bethany Frankel, what are you doing here? Talent should receive a 10% raise each season. She's asking to get paid. Frankel is about as big a reality star as you can get. She's one of the original cast members of The Real Housewives of New York. And she has a brand, Skinny Girl, for the gal, guy, they or them who likes their cocktails with a side of body shame. But her latest enterprise is labor agitation. These are the 10 terms that I propose subject to modification. I did not buy the idiot guide to starting a union in 24 hours. A union for reality stars. Minimum pay, seasonal raises, residuals, a bunch of other things. But the message here is that these shows make a ton of money and the cast do not. You know, it's your life story. So it's, you know, your life that you're giving in exchange. And they don't really have control. Reality TV is heavily produced, heavily formatted, and it is a rough and tumble job. Just ask anyone who's been successful in reality TV. And you are not hiding behind the words of someone else where no one's going to bother you or cancel you if you say something in a moment of just being truly who you are or make a mistake. You are completely and utterly always exposed and your life and career could end in an instant by just one wrong word. Frankel says that countless reality stars have called her up about the union and they've told her they are so down. But we are not getting a lot of other manifestos on Instagram like Frankel's or outspoken support for the idea of a big lawsuit. This might have something to do with another boogeyman of reality TV, the NDA. One of the things that could be preventing people from coming forward and talking is around three weeks after Garagos and Friedman sent their original letter, they sent a follow-up letter on August 20th to NBC Council demanding that there are these contract terms that are sort of like, in a sense, NDAs that are keeping some of these people from coming forward and talking to them. And so they demanded in their letter that NBC just make some broad sweep and release these people from these what they call illegal non-disclosure agreements that they said are in place to hide civil and criminal wrongs. So is a reality show reckoning actually on the way? A financial glow-up for cast members? Better protections for cast and crews? We'll know more when this lawsuit actually drops. If it does. And we'll see if Bethany can find power in a union. But the thing is, if reality TV does change, if it's fairer to the stars, safer for everyone, is that the reality TV that we, the viewing public, actually want to watch? I asked my co-pilot, Claudia Rosenbaum, all about this. And I ask because I wonder what actually is the fix for some of the conceits of these shows. If the conceit of Below Deck is they're stuck on a boat for weeks at a time, living and working together, and there's alcohol, is there any way to clean up that business model? Yeah, and I don't know whether, you know, that's what people tune in to see. I mean, when you're watching The Bachelor, if someone's drinking too much and saying crazy things, that's going to make the headlines of the show, and that's going to be what, you know, catches people's attention. So it's part of what, like, draws in the ratings. So it's, it's a definite, it's difficult to figure out a fix. Coming up, someone working on a fix. He is a guy who worked on a reality TV show 
you may have heard of, Love is Blind, on Netflix. He actually was a contestant, Nick Thompson. Yes, that Nick. He has stories. After the break. Support for Today Explained comes from Mint Mobile, the only cell phone that tastes good. When the deal is too good to be true, there's probably a catch, right? That incredibly cheap flight to Europe? You probably can't bring a bag or pick your seat or use the restroom. So when I tell you that Mint Mobile offers wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably wondering, what's the catch? Well, according to Mint Mobile, there is no catch. According to Mint Mobile, it's only 15 bucks a month and their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, you can go to mintmobile.com slash explain. That is mintmobile.com slash explain. You can cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash explain. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Support for the show already comes from Delete Me. Your personal information is online. So is mine. I don't think I'm breaking any news by saying that, but you might be surprised to know just how much of your information is available not only for people to see, but to sell as well. And that's where Delete Me comes in. Delete Me wants to help you keep things such as your name, number, home address, and other private information out of the hands of data brokers. I've never personally kept my information out of the hands of data brokers, but perhaps Vox's business team's Claire White has. Removing the data that Delete Me found was super easy because I didn't have to do anything. They already removed my information across sites that they deemed as unsafe. I truly did not have to lift a finger. You can take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me Now at a special discount for our listeners. You can get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash today and use the promo code today at checkout. Again, you can get 20% off by going to joindeleteme.com slash today and enter the code TODAY at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash TODAY. The code is TODAY. Waking up in the morning, thinking about... Today Explained. Love is Blind on Netflix is huge. A cultural juggernaut. Perhaps because the premise is a little bonkers. Welcome to Love is Blind! The pods are officially open. A bunch of single people hang out in these rooms called pods. They talk to other single people from their pods. They date them from their pods. And the whole time, you don't get to see the person that you are ostensibly falling in love with. There's something about your voice. (laughs) That's what everyone keeps telling me. Until you are ready to propose. You're holding my mother's engagement ring. Remind me, how long was it from the first conversation with this person to engagement? So it's about 10 days. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's Nick Thompson. He was on season two of Love is Blind. He got engaged and he got married on the show. 
Now Nick has a lot to say about what it's like to star on a reality TV show. And he wants everyone, the networks, the streamers, us, the viewers, he wants us all to do better. So we talked to Nick about his experience. And I began by asking him what it felt like to show up to the house where they all were staying on that first day. This is Nick. Who's this? It's Trisha. Hey, Trisha. It's, it all happened so fast. <laughs> well, it's it's a set, so it's not actually a house. But you live in an apartment. So when you're doing the pods, you're actually just on set for like 18, 20 hours, and then you get sent back to a hotel room. Stop when you're in the it. hotel room. No, Nick. Yeah. They lied to I me. I know. I'm ruining everything for Nick, you. <laughs> there's not... I thought y'all were all just in like an apartment building for the whole time. So, so like, tell me about this set, and tell me what that was like, and tell me what it was like to go from a hotel room to a set for 18 hours a day. Exhausting. You don't even know what day it is. You don't really know what time it is. Uh, you, you're, you're sort of shuffled around. You don't have access to any technology or the internet. It's very isolating. So when you first arrive, you go to set, um, you're not allowed to talk to any of the cast members. So you're, you're already starting to be isolated. You give up your phone, you give up your wallet, you give up your passport, you give up any money you have. Um, you know, any real form of identification or ability to be a consumer and purchase anything. Um, you're not given a hotel room key when you get sent to your hotel. So you're not allowed to leave the hotel room without permission. You can't really comprehend what it's like to be isolated like that. It's basically like solitary confinement and you're, you're just stuck there with your thoughts. So, you know, it's a slow build. So when you get there, you're, okay, you can't talk to him. Okay, well, give us your phone. We knew we were going to give the phone. None of us knew we weren't going to have our wallet or any identification, which, I mean, imagine that. Imagine it's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You finally get away from Leatherface, and then you get a car that stops you, and you're like, oh, my God, I've been held captive by a reality TV show. Right? Like, what's going to happen if you leave? You literally can't leave. Did you ever expect before you went on to Love is Blind that you would come out of that show and that process comparing it to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> That's probably the most thought-provoking question I think I've ever answered. No, I didn't. <laughs> and they scare you into not wanting to leave either because if you leave during production, you owe them 50K in damages. Stop, 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 stop. Are you serious, Nick? Netflix is going to make you pay them $50,000 if you choose to leave your reality TV prison cell. Without a producer's permission, yes. Did you have any idea that that was one of the stipulations of your contract when you signed it? I read the entire contract. I had to have some amendments. You did? Made. Oh, yeah. Um, but when you're reading this contract, because it's so unreal or, and outside of the realistic life that people live that you really don't even comprehend what these contracts are saying until you look at them in retrospect. So like, for example, I knew I was giving my phone up. I did not know I was giving up my wallet. I did not know I'd have to give up all my credit cards and my IDs so that they don't tell you until you're already there. What were the producers doing in the midst of this extreme isolation for all the contestants? From before you even go on the show, your producers are treating you like they're your friends and they're getting to know you. But what they're really doing is getting to know what levers to pull, getting to know your triggers, getting to know your insecurities, getting to know how they can get you to do the things that they have predetermined that they want you to do. And so, you know, I, I think you get a little bit of the, the friendly vibe from that. They also don't want you to actually leave. So they, they try to 
toe that line of warden and and line of I'm your friend and I'm here to help you find love and find out what's best for you and you know I'm I'm not going to manipulate you into saying or doing anything and then that's what their that's what their job is quite frankly. What was the worst thing the producers did to you in your opinion? They didn't do anything deliberately bad to me. They were very damaging to Danielle. I sat in the closet. I locked the door. I shut this and I sat in the closet and cried. They were uh, saying things to her, asking her questions, like just killing her her confidence and trying to exploit um, her insecurities. And I mean, she had a panic attack in Mexico. They made her look crazy. Um, they didn't tell me she had a panic attack and told me to go talk about the party I was at with all the couples. And she was just coming down from it, um, oh, I don't know, no. maybe an hour earlier. Yeah, I mean, it looked like you were having fun. Looked like? Yeah, what do you think I was doing out there? I was bored. You watched it? Yeah. Well, I watched part of it. No, no psychologist, no mental health expert, no one, just producers. But we were all struggling. We were all struggling um, as it was going on. We were struggling in anticipation for an airing. Um, I think most of us were were a little uneasy at the very least. But when you're filming, like you just don't realize it's happening because you're just slowly being chipped away um, from a mental and physical perspective because you're exhausted. You're you're not sleeping right. You're not eating right. You're not getting exercise it just takes its toll on you because you start to wonder like what's real and what's not. And then you watch the show back and it's like, you're getting gaslit because you're like, that didn't happen that way. I did not say that to that person. They left out the context of that scene. And that is, that's a hard thing to, to go through. Yeah. One of the things I've heard or read, and I want to say it pertains to the show that you were on was the amount of alcohol always around and the absence of other fluids like water. What was going on there? So from the moment you get there all the way until you're you're like on set when you're back home, like you uh, you have limited access to food and water. It's definitely not at your discretion, but there's just always alcohol. And if there was an alcohol, alcohol showed up very shortly thereafter. And that was actually one of the the uh, policies was that if if you're filming, there's alcohol available. Wow. Wow. All right. I hear you saying all of this. There are going to be some people who hear this and say, you signed up for it. This is a show about people being in pods, isolated, to find love. You know, you saw the first season. They had alcohol there. People will say, since the days of the real world, reality TV has kind of worked with, like, alcohol and drama. What do you say to folks who are just like, you know what, Nick? You signed up for this. Here's what I will say. You, again, don't know what you're signing up for, right? You don't realize what the isolation is going to do to you. You don't even know that you're not going to have adequate access to food and water. I mean, I'm also very keen on the fact that you cannot sign away your basic human rights, right? I don't, uh, I don't even really have a lot of patience for the you signed up for it crowd anymore because you don't know what it's actually like until you live it. How much did you make from doing the show? Uh, $10,000 when you include after the altar which uh, when you're in the pods equates to about $7.14 a minute or an hour. Nick. I feel, you know, I feel like there needs to be a lot of change in this industry. And, you know, as you alluded, all the way back to real world days, all the way back to, you know, and I've actually unfortunately talked to people from like talk shows in the 80s who have had ex extremely similar um, situations where they're being put into scenarios or they have no idea they're getting into. So I think we need change. Um, and that's kind of where I find my fire. 
So I think we have to we have to get some basic labor practices around uh, these reality shows because they're making billions of dollars. Love is Blind is the most watched reality show in the world. Um, and there's no residuals, there's no excess payment. They're you know pumping out two seasons a year now. First and foremost, there needs to be lawyers that can review these contracts. We have to get these contracts to not just completely benefit the production companies. I mean, if you read these things, there's like 30 page, mine's like 30 pages long. And there's, like I said, 50K if you leave. I think one of the most important things we need to do is actually support people in their mental health and wellness because no matter what the show is, it it's a takes a toll on your mental health. You're making these insane life-altering decisions every day in a pressure cooker environment. And so I think we need to have uh, independent mental health support before the show, during the show, and then after the show. People are dramatic in general. We'll still have the drama. It's just maybe we won't damage people from an emotional or physical perspective uh, while we do it. So you have a group organizing uh, to help reality stars, past, current, and future. And I'm sure you've seen uh, by now this legal letter about workplace protections for reality show stars. Do you think we're on the cusp of some big change in the way these companies treat reality TV contestants? I think it's coming whether they want it to come or not. Uh, more and more people are obviously speaking out. And I think all of us coming together is going to be what forces change in the industry because the time is is now for a variety of reasons. But one of them is with Hollywood on strike, there's just more reality TV being produced. And if there's more reality TV being produced, that means there's going to be more people that are uh, mentally and physically damaged coming out of these shows. We're in this moment where we need to stand together Understand that we have rights as human beings, understand that we are workers and we are making a plethora of cash for these production companies and we deserve protections and rights and negotiating power and all sorts of, um, you know, typical labor laws that somehow reality TV production has escaped. That was Nick Thompson. He got married on Netflix. Now Nick helps run an advocacy group for people who are about to star are starring or have starred on reality TV. It's called UCAN, U-C-A-N. They are pushing for a lot of the things that Nick has already talked about, plus a union. Nick, call Bethany, trust me. Also, we reached out to Netflix and the production company that makes Love is Blind just to see if they wanted to respond to any of this. We didn't hear back. Our show today was produced by Siona Petrus, Hadi Mawagdi, and edited by Jolie Myers. It was engineered by Patrick Boyd and David Herman and fact-checked by Laura Bullard. Also, listeners, I host another podcast I think you might want to check out. It's called Into It. It's from Vulture, and we have an episode out right now with the novelist Brandon Taylor. We talk all about how you write a book in the age of book talk and Twitter X. We also discuss his new book, and why the book discourse in general just feels off. It's a fun, smart, good chat. He's great. We're great. Go check it out. Into it. All right. This is Today Explained. 